Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. And welcome to our first installment of Christmas Songs. We're super excited for you guys to be here. You know, we do have an app now that people give from and find out information from about RVC, what's going on at RVC. But we've had a lot of people ask like, hey, we don't have a bulletin anymore. What do I take notes with? We have these copies of amazing little journals. You can write prayers out in it. You can take notes in it. They're at the front when you walk in at this little uh, table that we have with Bibles. And uh, they're ta- take it for free. It's our gift to you. We want you to be able to jot down the things that God is speaking to your heart about. So with that, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, as we begin this, uh, this series, Christmas songs. Can you believe it? Like, it was like Thanksgiving and Christmas is like tomorrow, it feels like. Any Black Friday shoppers? Yes? Anybody get like some smoking deals? Yes, there we go. <laughs> and Ryan's like, yes, lots of smoking deals. Man, it's crazy how fast the season's going. And as soon as you start hearing Christmas songs, you go to a coffee shop or maybe at work or on the radio, all of a sudden you're like, man, here it is. It is happening. For us, we love this season. Uh, We got to order a brand new stocking for our mantle this year. Addison, Danae... Paul is born, and so now we have a stocking, and now we're divvying up all the money we used to spend on our kids, and we're funneling all that to her. I was at uh, Costco, and I sent a picture of like one of the like little motorcycles that are electric and sent it to my son. I'm like, hey, what do you think, too soon? And he's like, oh, I don't want her to be in the frozen. I'm like, it was an electric motorcycle for my two-week-old granddaughter. Like, that's what I wanted you to see, not the fact that it was frozen. So we're, we're pretty excited, and I'm sure you are too. The music that we hear, uh, it reminds us of this incredible season where, where God, in the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's what Christmas time is all about. We have these sayings that we, you know, Christmas, uh, the reason for the season is Jesus. And in reality, the reason for the season is actually humanity. That God so loved us that he willingly stepped out of heaven and became a man. And that's what the the story and the nativity is all about. The songs that we listen to are all around us. Uh, As we mentioned, you might hear Christmas carols as I do. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. O come, all ye faithful. Hark the herald angels sing. O holy nights. Of course, there are some bad songs too, right? Santa Baby is a song you might hear. She wants a jet. She wants rings. She wants Uggs. She wants Dutch Bros coffee, you know, taken to her house. This is, um, this would, hey, young men, like this is a girl that you might want to stay away from. Young unmarried men. I'm like just setting you guys up. We, and we do have those songs that are going to be coming up. You can go and vote, but and we're going to have some fun. We want you to invite your friends. As we talk next week, we're going to be wearing our favorite sweater, whether it's good or, or bad. But we're looking at the, the songs that were written in the very beginning, like before Jesus was born. You know, the very first Christmas carols we find in the Gospel of Luke. And it's the beginning of this, the, of this story that God had set fo- forward in motion before the world was even created, that God was going to become a man. And what we read in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke is that there was this young woman who was highly favored by God, an unknown uh, teenage Hebrew girl. And the angel Gabriel went to her 
And he, and he spoke with her and told her that she was favored, that God had chosen her, that she was going to bear the, the Son of God. And she's, you know, how is this possible for I'm a virgin? And he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And this was speaking of this miraculous birth that was going to take place. And she believed the Lord, even though she said, how can this be? The greatest story that's ever been told begins with a miracle. It was foretold by the prophet Isaiah and many other prophets. And yet, here's this young woman. She believed God, and her words back to the angel were, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Imagine the difficulty of that role. Knowing that she's going to be the one that bears this child that is the Lord, the Son of God. And the fact that, that, that Joseph himself didn't completely understand. And he was going to actually, you know, when they were engaged to be married, different than our engagement where you get engaged and like, hey, let's see if this works out. You know, we'll keep kind of extending our wedding date. But this was an engagement that was a legal marriage already, but they hadn't consummated the marriage yet. And, and Joseph was going to actually silently, you know, divorce her so that it didn't, you know, he was a, a gentle human being. And an angel came to him and said, like, hey, what's up, man? This is from the Lord. And Mary is with child. It's, it's, it's the Son of God. And you shall give him the name Jesus, Matthew 1, verse 21, for he shall save his people from their sins. She believed God. She had faith. Mary knows the course of history is about to change when the arrival of the Son of God comes. And his mission, she didn't fully understand what it was going to be, but his mission was to come and die for the sins of the world. So Mary goes after she finds out this, this incredible, miraculous thing is about to happen for her. And, and the angel says, and by the way, your relative Elizabeth, she's also with child. Now Elizabeth's in a different situation. Mary is a virgin who's engaged to be married to Joseph. Elizabeth, who was married to a Levite who served as a priest, and, and, and she was well beyond child-rearing you know, uh, years. Like She's way past the ability to have a child, and she miraculously is pregnant with a child with, whose name was John the Baptist. And that's where we pick up this story in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 39, and let's read that together this morning. These two women are the heroines in the Luke's Gospel. This old woman who was barren, and this young virgin who is now with child. And it says in verse 39, And in those days Mary arose, and she went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, <clears throat> Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And here comes the first Christmas carol. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. 
He has shown strength with his arm and has scattered the proud in in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. That, my friends, is the, is the very first song <clears throat> that was sung about the arrival of, of the Son of God. It's called uh, Mary's Magnificent. It uh, comes from the Latin word to magnify. And maybe you've grown up in a, a, a church liturgical you know, scenario where you have uh, sang that or read that or know about that. What we find is that Mary, as she comes to this moment of, of, of you know, again, this, this, this joyful moment of recognizing that now Elizabeth understands that Mary has believed the Lord and there's this fulfillment of a promise that was given to her that she would bear the Son of God, that she literally, her entire being is caught up in praise to God. And she mentions her soul and her spirit, and her subject is the Lord himself incarnate. The fact that, that she's singing about the fact that, that the Lord was actually going to become, uh, was going to be sent as a man, and that she was the one that was going to bear this infinite God who was going to become this infant baby boy that she herself would raise. Isaiah 9, 6, it tells us this prophecy about Jesus, the fact that he is this dual nature that he is fully God, but he's also fully man. Jesus always existed as God in heaven, the, the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But in this moment of time, 2,000 years back, Mary understood that the Lord himself was going to take on human nature. And Isaiah 9, 6 says, Unto us a child is born, speaking of his humanity, and unto us a son is given, speaking of his deity. It's where we find that, that passage, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This infinite God becoming an infant baby boy. This long-awaited Messiah was about to appear. She herself, uh, she, as, a, as a Jewish young woman of faith, understood that one day <clears throat> that God had promised a Messiah would come and would rescue the nation of Israel, not fully understanding that he would have to go and die on the cross first. But she knew that this was that moment and that she was the one who was chosen to actually bear this Son of God into this world. Mary's heart was Mary, really Mary, within her. If you think about, I was thinking about Christmas, man. Christmas gets a little stressful, doesn't it? Some lady last night over at Old Navy, like, just clearly didn't understand that this was my parking spot that I was also waiting for. Do you have a lady like that in your life? <laughs> River Park? don't get me going on the roundabout. Like, nobody knows how to use a roundabout at River Park. It's like, oh, it's an open way. Like, no, I'm in it. If you're in it, you don't go, right? You understand yielding. Okay. There's so many moments of frustration. Trying to get family to, uh, you know, as our family's expanding, you know what I mean? Now we're starting to understand, like, oh, my son who's married and has a child now, that that he might want to start their own tradition, not understanding that I'm the patriarch of the family, and what I say should happen right around, we're not those kind of parents. (laughs) I want to be, but I'm not. There's lots of frustrating moments. The holidays come, it reminds us maybe, you know, it's not like life gets different, it just amplifies, if you would, some of the struggles of our family's life and, and the difficulties that we face, And yet, all of that stuff 
can almost like be such a a distraction and a frustration that you go, man, I just kind of want Christmas to come and go. But here we have this moment of time for us to reflect back these next three weeks on this miraculous event that took place on your behalf and my behalf. We ought to be like Mary, the ones that say, my, my soul magnifies the Lord, right? My spirit, it rejoices in God my Savior. The fact that God would love you and I enough to create this, this, this situation where he himself would step out of heaven, become a man, live a life none of us could ever live, so that he could ultimately take your place and my place when he went to the cross, as a 33-year-old man bearing the sins of the world. I need to take a step back and go, you know what? Man, it's frustrating these people taking my stall. And oh man, it's a kind of, we got to celebrate Christmas on this day in January and this day in December and whatever your family scenario is. Take some moments this Christmas season. Lord, I'm going to, I want to listen to the songs that proclaim the gospel, that proclaim the miraculous event when Jesus Christ became a man for me. It's a time for meaningful reflection, a time for you to, to, uh, to, to ponder th- what God has done, a great opportunity to gather your little ones and talk about the, the miraculous moment when Jesus Christ became a man and what that means. You listen to the Christmas carols and allow them to see how God has, 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 has given and gifted these people in, in, in decades back and centuries back in some cases to write the story, the narrative uh, uh, through song, like this is what God has done. It's also a great time to talk about Jesus to your friends who are listening to songs like Joy to the World, the Lord Has Come. That earth receiver king? What child is this? Like, well, let me tell you what child this is. And go, you know what? Why don't you come and listen to the songs of Christmas at my church with me? There's so many people that are open. Too bad we get so wrapped up in the hustle that we miss out on ourselves, for ourselves, our family, and certainly sharing the good news of Jesus. So Mary's this woman that gives us this moment, uh, uh, gives us this song that we can understand like, Man, time out, man. I, I, I want to magnify God. I want my soul to rejoice. She talks about many things. The reason why she was given over to this praise and, and this, this song to God, as she mentions eight times, he has done great things for me. He has. We look at what she, she actually praises God for. It's for things about her. It's for things about the nation of Israel and also for all of humankind. And so if you're jotting some notes down, I want you to think back through the song with me. What is it that she praises God for? Well, number one, she praises God that he's a God who is mindful. She says, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. God is mindful. We, we see in Mary's song that she has so many references to the Old Testament. We see that she was this teenage girl that was so in love with God and had an understanding and a grasp of the theology of Israel, and she knew the, the prophecies of the Old Testament. Her song actually mimics very much the song of Hannah, who Hannah was a young woman who longed to be a mother one day, and, 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 we, and this is why we even do baby dedications, that she brought her son Samuel to the temple, and she says, for this child I prayed, and she, and she has lent him back to the Lord, where Samuel grew up there as a young boy in the temple, and became this mighty judge and, and leader in the nation of Israel from that day forward. 
And then she breaks out in a song that, God, you've looked on my humble estate. And here Mary is quoting parts of this song as she's singing out to God, saying, God, you are mindful of me. She knew that she was a nobody in the eyes of the world. And she was from a town called Nazareth. Uh, that was like a place that they sort of mocked. Uh, you know, uh, they said like, you know, can anything good, one of the future disciples said to G- uh, about Jesus, you know, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? This wasn't like, have you ever met someone like, where, are you, where were you born? I was born in Paris. You're like, wow, this is like an aura different about you. You know what I mean? Where are you from? I'm from Parlier. A little different. You know, anyone from Parlier? I don't want to make fun of anything. Do we have anyone from Parlier here today? You're like, you guys all had those foggy day schedules, didn't you, right? On Channel 18, like, man, you never had to do your homework at night. You always had three hours, four hours every morning to do your homework. And yet, she says, the Lord has looked on me in my humble estate. See, God chose her for this task. <clears throat> and he looked on her with favor, but it was nothing that she had. Sure, she, she, was, she was just a humble Servant of Yahweh. But there was nothing that said like, oh, clearly, this this is the one that needs to bear the Son of God. Externally, there was nothing there. There was nothing that she had that you would say like, wow, God ought to be mindful of this one. Mary's interesting. Uh, My Catholic friends have exalted Mary to a place that is not a biblical perspective, and my Protestant friends, along with me, have ignored Mary. It's almost like, well, it's, you know, if you grew up in a Protestant church, non-denominational church, is like going, yeah, you know, Mary's not that big of a deal. The angel Gabriel said, you are highly esteemed. We ought to at least park right there, right, and go, what a, what a young woman of God, that God would choose her to be, bear the Son of God into the world. And she sings to God. Mary was surprised that God would notice her, and especially pour out her favor. She knew that, yes, it would be a difficult child, as many would not believe the story of the virgin birth. And little did she know that, that, that where Jesus was headed was going to, as one of the songs in the Gospel of Luke that we don't get to, that a very sword would pierce her soul, which she understood very clearly when she saw her son, the Son of God, hanging on a cross, nailed there, for bearing the sins of the world, being mocked and spit upon. From a poor, unknown Hebrew teenager to the most honored woman in the world who grew up in this insignificant town. She never went to college. She wasn't an Instagram influencer. She was nothing special except she was a humble girl who served the Lord. It's a reminder for us that that God does choose the things that you and I look at and go, ah, oh, that's insignificant. Paul talks about that, doesn't he, in 1 Corinthians. He says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in this world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you and said God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame the thing that those who think that they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. To think about this teenage girl was bearing the one who was God, became a man, and who would take the sins of the world away. It's amazing. And she says, God, that you would look on me in my humble estate, that God would use her in the greatest way, bringing the Savior and her Savior into the world as well. Mary needed a Savior herself. You don't need to look a certain way, we see here in this song. 
You don't have great resources or skills to have God's attention. He knows you. He loves you as he loved Mary. And he wants us to know him. He's mindful of us. His favor is by grace and God's grace alone. Some of you might feel like Mary. And who am I that God would take note of me? You might feel like that you've sort of made so many blunder after blunder in your life that you go like, oh man, God might want to choose to use so-and-so and and I can see how he used that person, but man, what have I got, man? I've just been, you know, meandering through life and a mistake after mistake and have nothing to offer. Man, that's exactly the person that God says, that's where I need you to be. I'm mindful of you. I want to use you. Maybe this morning, this Christmas season is different. It's not what you would have expected or what you had hoped for. Maybe there's a lot of stuff going on in your life. God knows. Maybe you're going through a stressful season. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you've got a family dynamic that isn't favorable. Maybe you have financial stress or your health is not in the best shape. Maybe it's your first Christmas as a divorced person. Maybe it's your first Christmas without a loved one. To see that that Mary understands, God, I'm praising you because you're mindful of me. Just know this morning that God is mindful. He knows. He's mindful about what you're going through. You know, she was was told, Joseph was told that, 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 that this was the one that the prophet Isaiah had spoken about, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. It, it literally means with us as God. What she was about to bring into the world this was what John talks about. In the beginning was the Word, speaking of God himself. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. You go down to verse 14 of John chapter 1. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's a word that the, the word dwelt literally means to tabernacle among us, to set up a tent and say, this is where I'm going to park my life. He is with us right now. He's been with you in the past as you look back at God's faithfulness. But if you're in that scenario right now where you feel like, man, who am I that God would actually care? He does care, and he wants you to know that he'll be with you, and he wants to be with you right now. She sings about God's uh, mindfulness. She also sings about that God is mighty, that his mighty hand has, has done great things when she says, He's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, now all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty, verse 49 and 50, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She speaks about God as mighty. It's the second reason why she praises him. He's done great things for me. I wonder if she's, as she's saying, if she was like all, you know, moms that take a little, you know, picture, you know, like, you know, kind of like, oh my gosh. Like, this is Taco Bell from Friday night. Like, legit Taco Bell, 10.30 at night. I'm like, babe, you know what? I'm going to take a run for the border, which I did, like a mile away. I'm just getting it out there. I just want to let you know, okay? Has anyone ever done that? This is a little side note. Okay, there we go. You notice how they shrunk those tosadas? They're jipping us a little bit. And she's saying about God's mighty, miraculous powers And she just put her hands upon her stomach going, the Son of God is growing inside of me. And then looking over at Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is farther along in her pregnancy going, and and my relative who was barren 
unable to have children, miraculously, her and her husband were able to conceive because God had a great call on that young man's life, John the Baptist, that we'll read about in the next coming week. As she's saying about God is mighty, he's mighty, he does the miraculous. We sing that song, you know, um, Silent Night. And as a non-Christian, I would hear these songs about, you know, the miracle of Christ's birth. And I was like, round yon, virgin, mother and child. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, what am I getting for Christmas? That's what I wanted to know about as a kid. You see these songs as if they're just like, oh, it's just like, you know, kind of fables or, you know, kind of just stories that are told. Like, this was a real event. This mighty God created this, this you know, situation where Mary the Virgin would actually bear the Son of God. It's a miracle. The story of the Savior's arrival began with a miracle. And she says, holy is his name, understanding that God is separate from us, yet he's one of us too as he became a man. Why? Because Jesus was fully man, but fully God. And only then can he represent us as a perfect offering when he went to the cross. She says he's mighty. He's done great things. Speaking of that, she, that he brings life to a barren womb and she, he, he brought life to this virgin womb too. The virgin birth is a miracle. Gabriel explained it to her in chapter 1 of Luke that this baby would, would be the miraculous work of the power of the Holy Spirit when he came upon her. And yet, he still is a God of miracles. When I read this story, you just think like, okay, that was a miracle he did for, for the world and bringing the Son of God into the world and a miracle he did for Elizabeth. But we, we fail to remember that he's a God who continues to do the miraculous. She praises God because he's mindful of her and he's mindful of you, but she praises God also because he's mighty. And only God can do things that God can do. There are things that you and I cannot change in our lives through all of our effort for 50 years. But God in his miraculous ways can change in a prayer. God can do miraculous things that you and I try to think through our minds. Like, I don't even know how this is going to work out. And how can this relationship ever be repaired? And how is this going to happen? And what's going to happen when this goes on? And yet God is able to handle all of those kinds of things because she reminds you and I that God is mighty and he's done great things for me. You and I can look at our past and see that he's done miraculous things in the past. Even just the fact that he willingly sent his son 2,000 years ago, that ought to be enough of sort of credit, if you would, in God's eyes to go like, okay, so if God has already taken care of my greatest need, how much more is he in his mighty hand able to deal with the other situations that I have going on in my life? He's still a God who performs miracles. He brings dead things back to life. He restores barren hearts and barren lives. And the same power that came upon Mary and that worked in Mary is the same power that works in us. I think the Christmas story and the songs of Christmas ought to remind us that we serve a mighty and powerful God. I don't know what you need this morning. There are scenarios that are at work in my life and my family dynamic that I want to see God have some breakthroughs. Like when I think about 2020, I don't think about like, oh, I want to, you know, this is what I want to have. And it's, you know, I'd love to get a trailer that I could pull and I'd like to get a motorcycle and all that. Those are on my Christmas list. But 
Like, I, God, I need you, to, I need you to, to grab a hold of this relational situation and bring healing and restoration. God, I need you to grab a hold of, of this heart of this person that I care for and love, and I need you to, to, to make it come alive that they might serve you and know you and walk with you faithfully. You might have kids that have wandered off from God. You may have a family member that you're not close to. He's a mighty God who has the ability to bring life to barren situations. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. <clears throat> like Gabriel told Mary, all things are possible to those who believe. Can I ask you, what, is there any miraculous thing that you need to see God do or you long for God to do or that you're willing to actually ask him to do this Christmas season? You have something happening in your world, in your life, where you say, God, are you able to do this and accomplish this? Because this is what my heart longs to see happen. Gabriel said, all things are possible to he or she who believes. Think about that. Lord, I can't make this happen, but God, all things are possible because you can make them happen. And I have faith in you. It could be a restored relationship. It could be healing for brokenness within your own life. He's mighty. He's mindful of where you're at. He's mighty in your life. And Mary also reminds us that he's merciful. Number three, that she praises God because he's merciful. And she mentions who he was merciful to. In his mercy, and, he's, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown his strength with his arm. She's speaking prophetically of the fact that, that she knows that this one she's going to give birth to is going to be the one that's going to right all the wrongs one day. That he's going to flip things that are upside down. He's going to flip them right side up, as she mentions. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. And, and he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He's not saying that, hey, if you're rich, sorry, God is not for you. That's not what he's speaking of. Speaking of in the same way James talks about the rich, those who oppose God and actually have their faith and their own abilities, their own resources, and their own strength. That's a bad spot to be in life. What she's speaking of here is that God, those that had justice just beyond their reach, one day he's going to right those wrongs. That's what the Son of God was going to do. And she sp spoke of God's mercy. In the Old Testament, mercy, it, it speaks of God's gracious, loyal, and faithful love. And who is it given to? Those who fear him. Those who humbly look to God. They look to God in humility. We read that the blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. To be poor in spirit means that you recognize that you have spiritual poverty, that there is something within you that is wrong, that you need a Savior. And he says, and those who humbly understand that, those are the ones that are recipients of my mercy. <clears throat> Mary saw that this one, this one that she would give birth to would turn things right side up one day. That a revolution was coming, that she understood that one day the, the, the Son of God, the Messiah, would establish his kingdom. But that was a little bit beyond 
her time and reach. She didn't understand that that Messiah who would come and establish his kingdom and rule and reign in righteousness and love would first have to go deal with our first issue, which was our sin. In fact, Israel and everybody missed it. They didn't understand that the Son of God had two reasons for his arrival, and there were two parts to his arrival. His first coming as a man was to deal with our sin problem. But his second coming, when we speak of the, the advent of Jesus, his second coming will be to establish his, his kingdom here on planet Earth, where he will rule and reign in righteousness and truth. She says that he's merciful to those who are humble. He's merciful to the hungry. He fills the hungry. God's favor is to those who are spiritually hungry. And speaking of his arrival, this one who was born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, he's the one who said, I'm the bread of life, and he who believes in me will never hunger. Right? And he who believes in me would never thirst ever again. He's the giver of good gifts. He gives good things, and it begins with salvation. And then she says his mercy to the nation of Israel, to the promise to given to Abraham, that he fulfills, he's the one who is going to fulfill the promise that was given to the helpless, that he's remembered. She mentions that, that God, your arrival, you're remembering the mercy that you promised to give to Abraham. This is a long time coming. We read about the promise that a Messiah is going to come to the nation of Israel through the, through the lineage of Abraham, right? Back in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, we read that God promises Abraham that I'm going to bless you with land, that you're going to become a great nation. I'm going to bless you with a blessing, that he who blesses you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. And I'm going to give you a child through your lineage, through your family lineage, Abraham, is going to be the blessing of all the nations, speaking of one day a Messiah is going to come. And you would have thought that as Israel became a nation, it'd be like, okay, now's a good time for the Messiah to come. Not yet. Maybe this is a good time for the Messiah to come. Nope, not yet. Another hundred years goes by. How many of you guys have some promises you've been hoping that the Lord's going to come through on? And then you're just sort of like, not yet. Right? You're just like, man, I hope it doesn't take a hundred years. Keep trusting God. He fulfills his promises. I love this, that she acknowledges the fact that though we've been waiting, Lord, for a long time for Messiah to come, as they were under Roman oppression during that time period in the nation of Israel, justice was beyond their grasp. She recognizes that, God, you keep your promises. He may take his time, but he always keeps his promises. It was a long time coming, and it even looked like for them because there was this period of time between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew, the moment the angel began to proclaim what's about to take place was 400 years the last time they'd heard from God. That's a long time. And yet she says, but we know that you keep your promises of mercy to Abraham. It may seem like he's forgotten you, but I think this is a great reminder that he hasn't. Keep trusting God. He always keeps his promises. And this fulfillment to Abraham and promise to Israel, when you read through your Bible, you get to Matthew chapter 1, like as you begin like a brand new year, like I'm going to get after my Bible this year. And you start reading about like people that were born to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. How many of you guys just like skip right past that? It's like you're looking for a name for your dog or a future child one day. You're like, well, that's a good name. Well, that's a cool name. 
there's a reason why those names are there so that we can actually trace back the lineage, the Son of God, Jesus, who was born to Mary and to Joseph. The Messiah was supposed to be born to, the, to uh, King David. And King David was, the prom, promised Messiah was to the, to the tribe of Judah. And the tribe of Judah, the promise was given to uh, the nation of Israel. And to the nation of Israel was given to the founder of the nation of Israel, Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the nation of Israel. And that's why we read about those names. It's not just like, hey, look at all these cool names. It's like the Messiah is connected there. That's all telling us that, hey, God has been at work all this time through all these families to bring about this moment in time when the Messiah has come. And he's remembered his mercy. This world, the reason why Jesus came was because this world needed mercy. So God sent a Savior and not a judge. Helpless is a great description of our world. We're unable to change our circumstances. For you and I to receive his mercy, we've got to recognize the fact that, man, we are lost in sin. And yet through Jesus, God will extend mercy, which is not getting what we deserve. The punishment of our sin, the sins of this world, God says, I'll give you mercy. You don't get what you deserve because Jesus himself is going to take it for us on the cross. You know, babies are born with such purpose. I've got such high hopes for uh, Addison. Addison's going to probably be reading because her parents are super bright. Probably by next week. I won't even see her this week, and then she'll be reading. Babies are born with purpose, right? Like, oh man, I'm praying, Lord, that they'll find their purpose in this world and what they're supposed to do and, and find fulfillment in their, and, and, and have a job, right? right? So they could get off your payroll. Those are good prayers to be praying. By the time they're 35, right? Maybe 40. But this child was born for one purpose, to die. Jesus his life doesn't save us. His teachings don't save us. It's his death on the cross is what brings salvation to the world. And I know that we're, we sing about, you know, this eight-pound, six-ounce baby, you know, Jesus, right? And it's, you know, we see him in a manger there on Van Ness, and you got a manger scene in your house, you know, and don't lose baby Jesus. You get in a lot of trouble with God like that. But he grew up to be a man. And he grew up to fulfill his purpose, which was to go to the cross where he'd bear the sins of the world. When you sing these Christmas carols, you'll notice that these carols will always bring in something about the cross and something about this vicarious death that he takes on, on in our place. Because this baby does grow up. And thank God he grows up to live a life that none of us could live so he could be the ultimate perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. As I mentioned earlier, Simeon sings the song as he holds Jesus on the day of his dedication. And he says all these wonderful things about <clears throat> this promise fulfilled that the Lord had spoken to him that he would see the salvation of Israel before he dies. And everyone's going like, Simeon, you're like 110 years old. Now you get to see him. And then he looks at Mary and says, and a sword will pierce your own soul. That's not a message you want to hear at a baby dedication. And I wondered if that meandered in her thoughts as he grew up and he began his ministry and began to get misunderstood and began to be persecuted and began to hear the rumors that the, the, that the rulers of Israel wanted to actually put him to death. 
And they're to stand at the foot of the cross to see her, her grown son naked and shamed before the eyes of all that were there at his crucifixion, bleeding, body shredded to pieces as he cries out to God and, and gives up his life as he takes all the punishment of sin. I think at that moment, she felt the, the, the piercing of that sword in her soul. But that's why he arrived. Take away our sins. Jesus, his name that you shall give him, for he shall save his people from, his sins, from their sins. He's merciful. He's merciful to humankind. Jesus' arrival, it means that he wants to extend mercy to you, to me, and mercy to everyone we know. You know that great hymn, O Holy Night? That's that line that says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. The tragic picture of humanity, wasting away because of sin. Darkness, lost and hopeless, and yet loved by God, that he willingly left heaven to come, <clears throat> born as a human, to take away the sins, and my, my sins and your sins, that we might be made right with God and be brought back into relationship with him. God planned this before the world was created. The gospel, my friends, that Jesus proclaimed, it's good news. It's not good advice. Good advice is do this and do this and your life will get better. Good news is like, hey, here's something that God has already done on your behalf. That's good news. He came to take my place. Christianity, it isn't self-improvement, but it's a message that we need to be saved. And Jesus didn't come tell us how that you and I could get to God, but he actually came to bring us to God as he lived that perfect life and ultimately gave his life on the cross. We're the helpless ones that the Savior was promised to come because human beings are unable to save self. You know, it's futile for us to trust in ourselves, to trust in uh, political leaders, to trust in wealth. When here God is telling us that you and I are unable to do anything in and of ourselves to change our predicament, only to believe and our spirit to rejoice in God our Savior that became a man 2,000 years ago so that you and I might have eternal life and have forgiveness. You're not going to hear Mary's song when you're cruising around. You might even try to look for it on the radio. It's not there. We find it here in the Gospel of Luke. But you're going to hear Christmas songs. You're going to hear carols. You're going to sing some carols. And I would encourage you to add those to your playlist on Spotify or Pandora that you might allow this season to be a time of meaningful reflection, the fact that you can praise God like Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because God became a man on your behalf, and that God is mindful of where you're at in life. God is mighty on your behalf, and he is a merciful God who wants to meet your needs and my needs. Meditate on the ways that God has been mindful and mighty and merciful in your life this week. Mary should not be the one that sings alone. We ought to join Mary and say, God, my soul magnifies you. My spirit rejoices in you, my Savior. Maybe today you need the mercy. Maybe this morning you need God's help. And I'm going to encourage you, whatever it is that you're needing this morning, maybe you need his mighty hand to work in your behalf Reach up to him this morning and pray in prayer. Maybe even go to the sides of the room after the service is over and during our last song and say, hey, would you pray for me? I'm going to believe God for something mighty this Christmas season. Maybe it's time for you to receive his mercy as 
his son or daughter. This moment where we, 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 we give you an opportunity to, as, as the song says, let earth receive her king. You've got to be the one to open up your life to the king of kings and the Lord of lords, where you surrender to him. Recognize that you too are a, a, a part of the sinner's race as Mary was and as we are too, where we need a savior. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give you salvation, but it begins with you taking that step of, of recognition. God, I realize I'm a sinner and God, I need your forgiveness and God, I want you to come into my life. We're gonna pray right now and, and if you've joined us this morning and today you're like, man, I wanna commit my life to God. I want my sins forgiven. I wanna begin that relationship that Mary sang so well about about this God who is merciful and this God who is mighty on her behalf. Man, he wants to be that for you as well. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for your love. And Lord, we thank you for the songs of Christmas, God, this, this incredible song that Mary sang out there here in her relative's home. And Lord, it was written down for us that we might recognize the, the very ways she praised you, Lord, and the very reasons why we ought to praise you as well, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are a God who understands exactly where we're at you see us. You know what we go through. Lord, I know you want to be there for my friends, God, with whatever they're dealing with. I know that you want to open doors and do mighty works on their behalf. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless them this Christmas season. Lord, let us see the miraculous happen once again in our lives. God, let us see some restoration that needs to take place. God, let us see some salvation even within our own households, God, of friends and loved ones we've been praying for. Lord, we want to see you do a mighty work Whatever it is, God, that my friends need from you today, would you bless them and encourage them today? And Father, would you fill them with your spirit, Lord, and give each one of us the ability. And Lord, that, that uh, understanding that, Father, the response that we have to a song like this is, God, just to say, Lord, we want to magnify you too.